بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ریڈیو رمضان 87.7 FM پروگرام ریفلیکشنز وید یور ہوسٹ زبیر اکرم اینڈ مائی گیسٹ شیخ رضوان محمد السلام علیکم شیخ علیکم السلام ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ سیٹرڈے سیٹرڈے سیکنڈ آف مے ایٹ آف رمضان افطار ٹو ڈے از ایٹ نائن زیرو فائیو فائیو پاسٹ نائن انشاء اللہ اینڈ جس ار ریمائنڈر فار آل دا افطار ٹائمس پلیز بیئر ود اس بیکاز اٹ از اکارڈنگ ٹو دا ٹائم ٹیبل دیٹ وی ہیو ان آر اسٹوڈیوز وچ آر ویلڈ اینڈ ان فار ون آف دا ماسکس ان گلاسکو سورہ کہف از وی بین کورنگ ان Uh, reflections this year of Riri Ramadan 2020. Uh, you can obviously uh, follow us on uh, the iSyllabus uh, video app, which is uh, Moments app, and iSyllabus website. We can, you can follow us on our Facebook, which is Riri Ramadan 365, on uh, FM 87.7, And after Eid, uh, it, there won't be FM, uh, but inshallah, we'll be continuing on our frequency, which is 15, 30 medium wave or AM, um, DAB, uh, RR365. And of course, if you've uh, downloaded our app, uh, the, the, not our app, the TuneIn app, uh, and search for Riri Ramadan, uh, you will find us there as well. Uh, so several ways of uh, listening uh, into uh, our transmission and I'll, I would say we thank we can't thank Allah enough for the rich content that we are able to broadcast uh, not through uh, through the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's so much talent so much knowledge uh, I was doing a live charity drive this morning uh, in Punjabi and Urdu um, and for my part zero prep but for our guests uh, such rich content uh, with Quranic references uh, hadith and, and and more so what comes from heart reaches the heart what comes from heart reaches the heart I think same here in reflections uh, it is uh, what we are covering is for our own benefit and for the benefit of our listeners. Uh, the prime motive of doing all of this is that we can all benefit to better ourselves here for the preps for our hereafter, inshallah. So, ayahs number 20, uh, 19, 20, and 21 is uh, what I'm going to uh, uh, put in front of you. And inshallah, we'll be asking the Sheikh to give us some comment on that. In the name of Allah, the Absolutely Merciful, the Especially Merciful. وَكَذَلِكَ بَعَثْنَاهُمْ لِيَتَسَاءَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِّنْهُمْ كَمْ لَبِثْتُمْ قَالُوا لَبِثْنَا يَوْمًا أَوْ بَعْضَ يَوْمٍ قَالُوا رَبُّكُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا لَبِثْتُمْ فَبَعَثُوا أَحَدَكُمْ بِوَرِقِكُمْ هَذِهِ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا 
أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَأْتِكُمْ بِرِزْقٍ مِّنْهُ وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ وَلَا يُشْعِرَنَّ بِكُمْ أَحَدًا Likewise, we awakened them that they might question one another. A speaker from among them said, How long have you stayed? They said, We have stayed perhaps a day or part of a day. They said, Your Lord knows best how long you have stayed. So send one of you with this silver coin of yours to the town, and let him find out which is the good lawful food, and bring some of that to you. And let him be careful, and let no man know of you. إنهم إن يظهروا عليكم يرجموكم أو يعيدوكم في ملتهم ولن تفلحوا إذا أبدا. For if they come to know of you, they will stone you or turn you back to their religion, and in that case, you would never be successful. وَكَذَلِكَ أَعْثَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ لِيَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقٌّ وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا لِيَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقٌّ وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا إِذْ يَتَنَازَعُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَمْرَهُمْ إِذْ يَتَنَازَعُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَمْرَهُمْ فَقَالُوا بَنُوا عَلَيْهِمْ بُنْيَانًا رَبُّهُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِهِمْ قال الذين غلبوا على أمدهم لنتخذن عليهم مسجدا. And thus we made their case known to the people, that they might know that the promise of Allah is true, and that there can be no doubt about the hour. When they disputed among themselves about their case, they said, Construct a building over them. Their Lord knows best about them. Those who won their point said, We verily shall build a place of worship over them. Some say they were three, the dog being the fourth among them. Others say they were five, the dog being the sixth, guessing at the unseen. Yet others say they were seven, the dog being the eighth. Say, O Muhammad, my Lord knows best their number. None knows them but a few. So these were the uh, few ayahs uh, we've been discussing. Uh, Surah Kahf and its different themes that uh, we've come across so far. So Sheikh, these three ayahs today, uh, that inshallah, um, along with the conversations and, and the discussions we've had so far as well. Especially the first one here, 
the sleepers are now ready to go back to where they left from. They were in the cave and now they are preparing themselves to go back into the land where they they put them back out of. Hmm. Uh, and they're now unsure how people will react, uh, what they will see, what they will witness. And they're unsure of their own situation. They, they've just come out of sleep. Hmm. And they are unsure how long they've been sleeping. Hmm. Again, the concept of time, the concept of, you know, again, the questions, why do we have, why do they have to go through all of this to prove a point, perhaps? Hmm. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So this, this is verses, I think today we provided the listeners with verses um, 19 to 22. Yeah. Um, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now completing in this rendition of the story um, the, the the awakening of them, their self-questioning, their questioning of their own perception of what happened to them, the time period that this has happened for, um, the degree of, of conjecture and doubt over how long they've stayed. Um, that is, again, we talked about this yesterday or the day before, the, the details of this story are seen to be academic or irrelevant to the central thrust of what is being said here. So mm. their perception of, of how long they stayed is of importance from the perspective of the fact that it's a miracle, that the time that they spent is in fact over 300 years. From that perspective, they're they're querying how long they've stayed and their and their conjecture of how long they've stayed is actually very important because the person themselves should be the most aware of the consequences of the actions they've gone through or the experience they've gone through. And therefore the Quran is correcting them and therefore highlighting the fact that this is a miraculous um, supra, supranatural event. But what this will contrast to is other people's perception of this story and then their descriptions of who was there, how many people were there. Again, this time it will be detail which is not only academic but irrelevant but also wrong as well. So when they, when people say, were there four and the dog was the, was the fifth, was it seven and the dog was the eighth, all these um, permutations will be so shown by the Qur'an to be not only irrelevant but also rajman bil ghaib. It's almost as if you're closing your eyes and you're throwing... You know when you go to a fairground, or if you go to a fairground, um, you know these kind of games that they have in fairgrounds where mm. they say you get five shots or seven shots and you throw. Usually what you're throwing is not your, not what you are aiming for in terms of your expertise or your your ability. It's usually something in the way that the thing that's, that you're throwing has been designed, which means it'll, be, it'll go off target. So if it's, if you're shooting something that the the, the the gun you'll be using will be made in a way that it won't shoot straight. Mm. So rajman bil ghaib is basically to, for the people later to see how many people were there is rajman bil ghaib. It's it's a shot in the dark, as we say, irrelevant. And the reason why that is being mentioned here in this whole story is the fact that it takes you away from the essential lesson of the qissa. Remember, this is a qissa, this is a story, the story of the seven sleepers, or the story mm. of the Ashab al Kaf. <coughs> now, the point of a story is to 
allow you to closely follow something in Arabic qissa and qasas means something to follow something slowly to the point that you then realize the essential point of something so it's almost if you sh- you shadow something or you follow something to the point that you understand the actual reason for something being as it is and this is why you know if you if you think of I talked about this last year and the year before in the story, story of surah yusuf the important thing in the story story of Yusuf Ali Salatim is not the historical events, but to what degree it reflects upon our own situation. Hmm. So we should recognize when we're going through the qissa, following the steps of the Prophet Yusuf through his life, we should also be saying, ah, that could have been me, or that can be me, or this is something similar to what I'm going through. There's always hope, there's always the, the help of Allah, etc., etc., the qissa is there for to, for you to reflect and to enjoy. So I don't mm-hmm. know if you read uh, any... There's novels in Urdu, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the reason people what, read novels is they see some semblance of their own situation in what they're reading. And in thinking about it, they sometimes are affecting how they then live their life. Yeah, I mean, w- w- watching Arthur. Yeah, so that's a dramatization which is cinematic. You know... That's a very good example because young people nowadays they are kind of, kind of enchanted by that whole series. Yeah. But then they want to make sense of their own life based upon. So they would say, "What would Ertugul do?" Yeah. For example. Exactly. Um, and then Christianity and in evangelical Christianity have this thing: "What would Christ do? What would Christ do?" So they ask themselves: If Christ was in this situation, what would he do? So the whole point of the qissa is, and the story is to get what it benefits you, not. The detail of uh, what if, or how did this happen, or how many people were there, where was it? So the Quran is telling you the important, you know, kind of context of it, without getting you enthralled in the actual details themselves. And so what happens is they wake up, they have no sense of time, and this is why stories are so interesting. Is that time is not important. What's important is the the um, the lesson, the meaning that comes out of a story. So the sequence of things that happened, the only thing that's important is they were forced to do something against the obedience of God. They resisted, they ran, and God preserved them, and they were victorious. That's a kind of general thrust. It's, a, it's the thing that we always look for in ourselves, is that is guidance for ourselves in, in our situation. It is a situation where we, if you're, if you're in a difficult situation and we remain steadfast in what we believe and also what is correct to do, then the end of that will be good. It's a very simple story. If you stay true to the teachings of Allah and the guidance of Prophet ﷺ in every situation that you're faced with, it doesn't mean you sacrifice. It's not like always as extreme as, as being tortured and killed. But and staying true to what you know is the sharia, what you, what you know is true to the teachings of Islam at a specific point, even if it's difficulty, you will be protected and you will come out of it victorious. Because time is, as we said, relative and time essentially is the, the extension of your actions from now till before, and, and before now to the extension of the hereafter and eternal life. Mm. And so this is why in this specific um, section, they wake, they, they doubt how long they've stayed and then they decide to send one of them to the to the city to buy provisions and what what did what do they say waliyatalattaf and this i've mentioned before scholars have always in, in books of tafsir have mentioned that this word is a middle point in the quran 
So in the whole of the Quran, Surah Al-Kahf is in the middle. And the word, وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ is in the middle of Surah Al-Kahf. And, and so they're saying, this is important because this encapsulates what the Quran is. يَتَلَطَّفْ is to be gentle, is to be mindful, is to be wary of your situation, to be careful hmm. with, with care. Um, and also they say, don't make sure nobody realizes who you are because they think they're going back to the same people. And then they say, if they find who you are, they will definitely stone you and, 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 and cause you harm. Um, and the story con- continues to go on. وَكَذَلِكَ أَعْثَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ And in, the, in, in this way Allah says, we managed to bring them to the fore. Why? لِيَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقٍ so that people may know that, or that they may know, everybody may know that the promise of Allah is true. That God's promise is that if you stay steadfast to something that is the right of God and the right of ethical living, God will promise to support you. And also the, the hour, which is the resurrection, there's no doubt about it. Because what happens here is, I mentioned this in a couple of, a couple of days ago, that this was this happened in the context of the Christian early Christians decide you know, arguing over whether the when the hour is comes will people be resurrected by their body or by their soul and so this is almost a proof of the ability of God to resurrect by the body itself mm. in other words it's also an indication of the fact that the, the the hour will definitely come and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when this whole happened all happened there's a jump in the, in the Arabic. There's a there's a massive jump because what we understand is they went to the city. They found it to be now a Christian city. In other words, a city on the faith of the, the Prophet Isa They're surprised and people are surprised. They go back. Different narrations say different things. Did they go back into their sleep and then they pass away? And when they passed away, people started to visit this place. And when they visited this place, they realized it was a place of a miracle. When they realized that, they wanted to build things there. Some people say build a building. Some people say take it as a mosque, a place of worship. Meaning, a place where you worship Allah because of the amazing miracle that's happened in a specific place. And so marking it, marking the event, would be to mark the place. And to mark the place, how do you mark it in a better way than to give thanks to Allah by worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Essentially, this is exactly what's happening. And then Allah goes on to say, سَيَقُولُونَ ثَلَاثَةٌ رَابِعُهُمْ كَلْبُهُمْ And this whole narrative of some people say or they say they were three, the fourth of whom was a, was a dog and they say, again, they say, they say this whole thing of who cares what people say hmm. five, the seven of which was a dog رَجْمًا بِالْغَيْبِ you know, shooting arrows in the dark وَيَقُولُونَ سَبَعَةٌ وَثَامِنُهُمْ كَلْبُهُمْ and they say seven, eighth of which was a dog قُلْ أَعْلَمُ بِعِدَّتِهِمْ Say, O Muhammad Wasallam. Again, remember, Nadr ibn Harith goes to Madinat Nawara, asks the Jewish tri- rabbis for questions. They ask the Prophet Wasallam. The Prophet has now told, قُلْ يَا مُحَمَّدْ رَبِّ أَعْلَمُ بِعِدَّتِهِمْ My Lord is the most cognizant and aware of the number of these people. مَا يَعْلَمُهُمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلٌ Only a few Few people know these the, the actual details of this. Very few people knew the details of what was happening. Very few people collected it. And Allah says, فَلَا تُمَارِ فِيهِمْ 
and therefore do not engage with them in this uh, because this is what is this this is just outward argumentation for the sake of argumentation and we will call it nitpicking on the detail when you've missed the whole purpose of the actual chapter itself um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then um, mentions that do not engage in argumentation with anybody so this specific chapter um, or this chapter of this chapter you know this at the end of this what we call a parable or a story in Surah Al-Kahf comes to an end telling the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that what we have given you is the truth and therefore do not turn to people who argue with the truth. And that's the response of this specific thing. So the, the people of the Kahf, they're commemorated. And in fact, even in Ottoman times, the, 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 the Ashab al-Kahf, they were used as a symbol of divine protection. So the, 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 the Ottoman naval fleets, they used to name their ships based on the names of what they understood to be the, the Ashab al-Kahf. Ah, because so the, the, there are names which are prevalent? So there's, you know, the, 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 the Syriac tradition has specific names and the seven sleepers in, in the Christian tradition are known. And so remember, the Ottoman lands were a land of the millet system where the different religious traditions were preserved. Constantinople was the center of Orthodox Christianity. Even to this day, I think the, the Russian Orthodox Church has passed on um, its, its, um, its prerogative to the, the Constantinople um, Patriarch. And so the knowledge of these things was very well established. Mm. And the co- cohesion between the religious communities was very, very, very great. And the composition of the, the army was very much, as you know, cosmopolitan. Mm. From Macedonia, from Bulgaria, from, um, from the Arab lands... Once they'd expanded to the Arab lands, there was a mix, different people doing different things. And the names were given to ships. And you know, in the English fleet, there's names to, to ships. Yeah. In a sense, a, a good omen. And the Ottomans used to do exactly the same. It's interesting that that is how um, religious traditions become um, manifest in any culture. You take mm-hmm. a person who's known for something and you name things by that name, by that person. So... You know, you know, um, anybody famous known for bravery, you would, you know, name something that is engaged in war after that specific thing. And in the in the in the Turkish lands, this was very 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 prevalent. So even the companions of the Prophet or even the prophets, you know, Sultan Abdul Hamid II, uh, he was not only the last great Ottoman um, Sultan, but he was also a skilled carpenter. You know, he used to make. Um, items which were then given as, as, as um, gifts to foreign dignitaries, mm. to presidents and, and kings, because they were so good. Mm. And in his, um, even to this day, we know that in his workshop, he had an uh, elegy to the Prophet Nuh in his workshop, wood workshop. So he was a wood worker, wood carver, and used to, used to have an elegy to the Prophet Nuh because he was considered to be the carpenter who built the ark. Mm-hmm. And so they used to connect historical figures with the professions that they did. So Salman al-Farisi is known to be the um, he's known to be the the, 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 the hair well the person that cut the hair of the Prophet the barber of the Prophet Ali mm-hmm. on a on a habitual manner. You know when the Prophet went to Umrah and when he went to Hajj, other people did perform, but Salman al-Farisi was that person. So if you go to 
an Ottoman barber, a traditional Ottoman barber in, in a traditional part of, of Turkey, you'll find that they will pay an elegy to Salman al-Farisi. Um, you, they say her sabah, achilariz, mahallimiz, Salman al-Farisi dir ustazimiz, pirimiz. So every day we open our, 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 our warehouse or our, sh- or our shops or our um, salons um, every morning with the name of Allah. Bismillah ila. So, but how they say Salman Farisi, their pyramid ustadimus. You know, Salman Farisi is our leader and our teacher in the profession of cutting hair. Subhanallah. So every profession used to have a link with uh, a companion, and even in fact, if we go to an, uh, the, the Ottoman mosques, you will see whose name, which companion's name, Bilal. Bilal, yeah. You'll find Sayyidina Bilal's name right next to the Muaddin's place. Yeah, you probably noticed that. You probably yes. why is he in the Bilal there? Because he was considered to be, you know, we would call the patron saint of Muaddin. Yeah, yeah. And so names, names are yeah. Uh, so very. thing is, they commemorated them because of what they represented. So the Ottomans understood that story is a story, but for us, we want to then continue on the legacy of those people. So you know, the kind of you know, in, you know, Ottoman fleet warfare and protection. And they're looking to use that to, you know, do their best in whatever they're doing. Um, it shows that they co-opted the stories. They didn't allow the story just to be hikayat, just kind of um, things that you talk about to entertain. Or oh, there was the seven sleepers and they did this and guess what happened and this happened. Nice story. It is both. It's a beautiful, it is an amazing spectacle of God's protective power. But... For the Quran, remember the Quran is very interesting because you know the stories that Quran, the Quran tells us are different from the same stories in the Bible, for example. Because in the Bible, it will just tell us A, B, C, D, E, F, G, line dot 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 dot, then happen happily ever after. The Quran jumps from beginning to middle to end, conversation from a different perspective. If you look at the Quran, yeah. every single story that is that is mentioned is always done from different perspectives. Yeah, the same around. like the same conversation will be presented from so many different angles. Like the, the you know when the the, the prophet uh, prophet Ibrahim والسلام, was visited by the angels to to tell him of the of the coming of his son at an old age. Now that narrative comes up in a number of places in the Quran in different ways. So it's almost as if in one bit it's you know, imagine you know you have a camera pointing at me from here and there, and there's a screen. Hmm. You know, one of them is coming and seeing the conversation from here. The other one's coming from here. The other one's coming from a different perspective. The same thing is captured from different perspectives to show you the complexity of what's happening humanly. And also, the Quran, when it tells the stories, it cuts out what's not important and welds together what's important so that essentially the thing that comes out of it is we realize that time and and space are relative they're not really important what's important is the uh, what did we call a couple of days ago we called it the the manat which is the core meaning is the khulasa the the, the basic teaching it is the nuktai nazar in in urdu markazi mazmoon markazi mazmoon like the kind of core principle that's the thing that is, is left with you. Everything else disappears. And that's why, you know, we talked about in the beginning that the Surat Al-Kahf is a protection from the Dajjal. The Dajjal entertains you to death. He will basically sidetrack you from the essential point of your life 
and just give you so much, you know, outward kind of dajjalic power, which is, remember, dajjal is to cover something over which is with something that's unreal, that you miss the central point. And the Quran, what does it do? It just gives you the, the nature, which is the basic core concept. And that's what you're told, told to hold on to. In the name of Allah. وَكَذَلِكَ بَعَثْنَاهُمْ لِيَتَسَاءَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِّنْهُمْ كَمْ لَبِثْتُمْ قَالُوا لَبِثْنَا يَوْمًا أَوْ بَعْضَ يَوْمٌ قَالُوا رَبُّكُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا لَبِثْتُمْ فَبَعَثُوا أَحَدَكُمْ بِوَرِقِكُمْ هَذِهِ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَأْتِكُمْ بِرِزْقٍ مِّنْهُ وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ وَلَا يُشْعِرَنَّ بِكُمْ أَحَدًا Likewise, we awakened them that they might question one another. A speaker from among them said, How long have you stayed? They said, We have stayed perhaps a day or part of a day. They said, Your Lord knows best how long you have stayed. So send one of you with this silver coin of yours to the town, and let him find out which is the good lawful food, and bring some of that to you. And let him be careful, and let no man know of you. إنهم إن يظهروا عليكم يرجموكم أو يعيدوكم في ملتهم ولن تفلحوا إذا أبدا. For if they come to know of you, they will stone you or turn you back to their religion, and in that case, you would never be successful. وَكَذَلِكَ أَعْثَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ لِيَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقٌّ وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا لِيَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقٌّ وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا إِذْ يَتَنَازَعُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَمْرَهُمْ إِذْ يَتَنَازَعُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَمْرَهُمْ فَقَالُوا بَنُوا عَلَيْهِمْ بُنْيَانًا رَبُّهُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِهِمْ قَالَ الَّذِينَ غَلَبُوا عَلَىٰ أَمْدِهِمْ لَنَتَّخِذَنَّ عَلَيْهِمْ مَسْجِدًا And thus we made their case known to the people, that they might know that the promise of Allah is true, and that there can be no doubt about the hour. When they disputed among themselves about their case, they said, Construct a building over them. Their Lord knows best about them. Those who won their point said, We verily shall build a place of worship over them.
سيقولون ثلاثة رابعهم كلبهم ويقولون خمسة سادسهم كلبهم رجما بالغيب ويقولون سبعة وثامنهم كلبهم ربي أعلم بعدتهم ما يعلمهم إلا قليل فلا تمار فيهم إلا مراء ظاهرا ولا تستفت فيهم منهم أحدا Some say they were three, the dog being the fourth among them. Others say they were five, the dog being the sixth, guessing at the unseen. Yet others say they were seven, the dog being the eighth. Say, O Muhammad, my Lord knows best their number. None knows them but a few. So debate not, except with the Reflections uh, with your host Zubair Akram uh, and my guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, um, Radio Ramadan 87.7. Iftar today is at 9.05. Just before the break, uh, we were talking about a few very key concepts of what's been covered, what was, what's been again played out uh, in front of uh, our audience just now. Um, 19, 20, 21 and 22 These are the ayahs that we just uh, heard uh, And the meaning of it In 19 there is a word Wala yalattaf Yes Wala yalattaf Yes What I've learned from you And uh, Latif when we, Is it from Latif? Subtle? Yes from, from Latif I don't see the meaning Neither English nor Urdu There is subtlety or latif or latafat. So how, how is it translated? Um, uh, it just skips. Then he says, Allah is better than how much time is in this situation. Let's go. Now send someone to the city and send a city to the city and see where the best food is from. There is a place where you can eat. And you want to work with courage. It doesn't happen that someone will work with courage. Courage is like Is, is not what conveyed meaning let them be gentle because uh, this is uh, this comes back to what I was talking about um, yesterday or the, or the day before about Ashab al-Kahf it conjures up this idea of, of this of the of this of this of the group of people that are saved the saved sect you know this this is a problem in in modern Muslim Um, circles, but also a problem any religious circle, which is a kind of cult um, mentality where only if you're being oppressed and only if you're being downtrodden and and, and being sidelined and, and being maligned, are you on the truth? Mm. Okay. okay. So, I know what you're saying. So there's also this theme in, in, in Muslim um, ac- ac- activism, which is we are the strangers. We are the masakin, we are the oppressed, we are the downtrodden, we are the... So even, even I mean, anti-Muslim hatred is one thing, but a lot of the the kind of over-exuberance of even um, Islamophobia, 
So you know, there's there's obviously anti-Muslim hate. It just you don't have to discuss or even debate whether that exists and whether there is, is it's very pernicious from the from the religious right in in America, for example, or the far right far right in Europe, or in um, East, you know, the Far East. There's very strong anti-Muslim hatred in many countries. Mm. So, but the moment that you make it into into a um, a victim victim mentality where this this is what your stamp of identity is, you have you know essentially capitulated and lost your religious grounding and become just one man, one minority amongst many other minorities, which is which whose reason to exist is because they're being oppressed. Now, the thing about Ashab al-Kahf, it's used by a lot of people to show that it's only by being thrown out and being downtrodden and and then being saved by Allah by a miraculous series of events that we show that we are true to Allah's word. And so you'll find that they're very harsh, very black and white, very dismissive. Um, all, most extremist movements in, in Islam of the last century have kind of had that same trait of young people who refuse to listen to people who are wiser on the basis that they're saying they're nothing more than the than the kind of state-operated or or religious traditional dinosaurs. So what's wrong with terms. feeling oppressed if you are oppressed, and mm. then expressing that you're expressed, yes. and then f- and making a narrative of being oppressed? Mm. I I, uh, I would but like there's to know there's that. There's nothing wrong saying but you're oppressed. Then, then there is your your statement uh-huh. of the very existence is justified by because we're oppressed. Mm-hmm. So some cults or some ideologies mm-hmm. exist. Only because mm-hmm. on on uh, you know I, I call it uh, yeah it will give away so it, it's a uh, it's oppression. I mean the, the I, whole. I mean, I've noticed. It. I mean, this is there's a whole industry of self aggrandizement and 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 hero worship around people that are oppressed. Yeah. In the Muslim community, so the reason why somebody is important is because they were oppressed, and therefore they're a celebrity because they're oppressed or they were incarcerated or whatever it is. And then that's kind of the this is the this is the glory of the past that they will live off their whole life because they were oppressed. Yes. So the point here is that I want to know, you know, as a Muslim, I would want to know as a scholar, I want to know what's the basis of anything that you do based on scripture, not based upon a narrative of oppression and you know Foucault's idea of uh, power and authority being structural and oppressing some kind of left wing narrative of. Of um, you know, kind of 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 kind of power structures that control, they're absolutely valid understandings. But from a religious mm-hmm. perspective, I would always want to want, want to know every move that you make, every breath that you take, every single statement you make, and every action that you do, it has to be justified in some way based upon religious teachings, not based upon you know the fact that it's that it serves a narrative. Mm. So the Islamic narrative. Is the narrative we place in front of you. You stay true to the teachings of Allah, which are to worship, but also to stand up for justice and also to be faliyatulatuf. Waliyatulatuf is to um, to be gentle. And so, what's what, what this verse mentions is the reason I've got round in a we circle here is that you know when they went back, they could have gone back and they could have lashed out because they were the oppressed people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going back to these oppressive polytheists who are on the wrong path 
and we're going back and we're going to buy something and if they dare say anything, anything to us, we will then lash out. And but you think gentle is caution? Well, there's a lot of means to be gentle. Lutf, from, from yeah. lutf is... Lutf is latif, right? Latif yeah, is from, let them subtle. Be inconspicuous, you could take it in a context to be inconspicuous, meaning um, not noticed. Yeah, just but take also, it easy and kind of Yeah, like, but also, I think soak. more clearly, waliyat al-latif is... When you're doing this, going in and you're buying and you're presenting yourself to, to, to the people again, you should be hidden in a sense. Lutf is to be, Latif is to be kind of hidden and, and, and gentle. Because not you're hidden, this. you're not abrasive, you're not coarse, you're not loud. That's part of it. But also, Waliyat well, Latif means um, to kind of do it in a way that is putting people at ease. And then that's what Allah says, وَلَا يُشْعِرَنَّ بِكُمْ أَحَدًا And let nobody have any kind of uh, awareness of you, your, your existence. In other words, you go in, you check, and you come back. Not that you make this massive statement that you're now you know, a, a very important embodiment of Allah's miraculous powers. Nothing but the fact that you go in, do your thing, and you come back. And so that narrative, which is the narrative of, of many Muslims nowadays, which is in your face, um, making sure you know what's happening, is a perfectly valid you know, modus operandi and, and pathway and, and project to take part in. But don't couch it in, 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 in the fact that it's some kind of search for divine justice and the manifestation of Allah's work. Hmm. It is social justice. It is fighting for the oppressed. It is all these things, if done, as it, as it should be done. But you always have to think, there's balancing between different things in all situations. And that is the whole teaching of the Qur'an, is that at some point you have to leave aside the struggle that you're in front of for a greater purpose, which is a well, centrality. a very, very powerful insight that one needs to have. Mm-hmm. Not everybody will have that. And to decide on what to give up now mm-hmm. for a greater cause, for a greater purpose, which may come a hundred mm-hmm. years later. People yeah, I mean, that, that's absolutely true. The, the, the decision is usually made by people that are wise. It doesn't mean people that are old, it means people that are yeah, wise. You yeah. can have how many a person, the Prophet, you know, Usama ibn Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu was in his teens when he was the head of the army that was sent or prepared by the Prophet on his his last moments. Yeah. Um, the Prophet you know, placed a 23-year-old in, in charge of Mecca after he conquered it. So all of the things, the wisdom is about, uh, you know, one of the poets says, in kunta, in, in kunta He said, I think it was Ibn Abi Salima, the pre-Islamic poet, in fact, he said that if you're, if you're in need of anything and you need something to be done, Farsil Hakiman, send a person who's wise and don't tell him what to do. Because if he's wise, yeah. if she's wise, <laughs> they don't need to be on, on, on auto-dial to you to say, okay, I'm there, what do I do? The yeah. whole se- point is you choose the right person, you can rest, you can relax, you, can, you know that that person will do better than you could do. Yes. And how rare is that person? Extremely oh. rare. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're left in a situation where, imagine you're in a situation where it's geopolitics and war and conflict. In fact, I was I was speaking to somebody, you know, a journalist today, and they were saying, 
the Syrian conflict, if only the ulama had been listened to in this whole process, and mm. they weren't listened to, they were sidelined in the whole process. She said, it would make a, she's not a Muslim, she was looking from the outside, she said it would have made, made such a difference. Yeah. Because Hakim, Hakim, you know, this is something that is so unfortunate, especially when I think of the Syrian conflict, almost every day it hits me very clearly that the Syrian conflict is an ongoing conflict. The lack of wisdom on all sides is, is very blatant. And the presence of that ghurabat mentality that we are oppressed and we are the fighters and we are we are victorious and that jingoism is, is very quickly faded in, in 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 the wheels of the children and orphans. Do you understand? You know, that's not bravery. That's stupidity. And I've said that many times from the beginning of the conflict. The 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 conflict had to be based upon the rules of conflict in Islamic Sharia, and they were never upheld. It was mil- it was militia warfare from the beginning, with no rules of warfare from the the regime from the start, mm. and then the opposition slowly splintered, you know, based upon external. I would call shayateen inciting the war from to allow people to come in, and fight a war that was never theirs, and and the pe- people of Syria never asked for these people to come. Mm. All these foreigners that came, so the Syrian people I know for a fact, never wanted them to come. At all, and they came and they flooded that mentality, that mentality of we are truth, we are the we are this saved sect, we are the the pure Islam, we are the people that are fighting against innovation, blowing up the graves of companions and pious people. We are these, we are that. Allah will humiliate them on the day of judgment. You understand? Because that is that fervor that Shaitan wants you to have, which is blind to wisdom. Mm. You know, this is the, this reality of why religious teaching is so important that it's taken from sources that are centuries old, are ancient, are old-fashioned. Know the the stretch of time. Know this the concept of of having existence stretching and and wisdom and learning from in past events, not from people mm. that are just just newly come out of their diapers. And this is the reality. These people, you speak to them. The childishness is is such that you think they've just come out of kindergarten because of the, the 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 degree of, I would say, naivety over what kind of world they live in. You know, it's so easily done, though. I, I can I can personally, as a youth growing up, relate to that. Mm-hmm. That you know there is this uh, resistance, there is this enlightenment, if you like, that you want to be. In a position that you are in, mm-hmm. reclaiming glory, mm-hmm. and there is a path to that. No matter how pious and how balanced the founders are mm-hmm. in their writings, in their speeches, mm-hmm. but when literature is produced, that you know, you, literature says the the truth can never be apologetic. Mm-hmm. You don't have you're not an apologist. Mm-hmm. You stand for what you stand for. Mm-hmm. And then the steps you take, if you don't have that exposure, the wisdom, the depth of, as you as you put it uh, in, in the previous section of this conversation, that the camera needs to be on all sides for you to make sense of the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yep. You're only looking at one angle mm. in at one point of your life with 
along with hundreds and thousands of people who are looking at the same through the same lens mm. through the same angle mm. at that particular time mm. and when you're doing that you are then charged to just meet objectives mm. to meet goals mm. and only through that activity you will get somewhere and that's easily done mm. that that's so true i mean that was i didn't think of it yeah i did think of it i didn't think of it in that way this idea of perspective and not knowing the different perspectives and i know somebody this 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 year actually they were teaching and there's somebody else they were teaching and and in the in the teaching in university what happened is that somebody had a mental breakdown in the class mm. and then they started to attack everybody the lecturer and, and the second lecturer for i think it was something to do with um you know you have triggers so yeah. Whatever was spoken about triggered this person of past trauma, yeah, yeah. which meant that they lashed out, and the whole class has to be dismissed. And then this person, the person who was dealing with the class, had to deal with that. And obviously, it's very serious because this person apparently had other issues and things. So they're rushing at the room, at the lecture hall, trying to console this person who's going. You can imagine. And then somebody else that they know comes in and tries to speak to them, and they ignore them, saying, "Not now." The person thinks that, you know, they're being very rude, not knowing the whole episode of probably the next yeah. first 20 minutes of complete mayhem that's going to reach the highest levels of the university because yeah, yeah. it's mental health and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. But then imagine going back and seeing that person. Do you know how horrible that person was? I said, salam, and didn't even acknowledge me, just mm. ignored me. That's a horrible person. <laughs> you know, where's the perspective? The perspective is nowhere because... That is what we have to understand, and this is why the Prophet is such awesome. a beautiful human at the core. You know, this is just one small description of a beautiful human at the core is that when he met somebody, he would take them from their perspective. Like, you know, when he would meet them, he would be he would, he would be the last. He was he. You know, we can't shake hands nowadays. I can't mm. remember the last time I shook hands or even met anybody face to face, apart from my family. You know, if he shook hands, he would be. He would not let go until the other person let go. Yeah. Perspective. He would, if he spoke to a person, the person would feel as if they were the most important person to the Prophet because he had their perspective in play. Mm. So a child, I was talking about childlike yesterday. The Prophet was extremely childlike because he had this in, intense innocence in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that meant that children found him to be very affable and very beloved to them. Yeah. And this is what you find. One of the you know scholars have always said that the sign of the awliya is that children find ease and repose and 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 tranquility in the in the presence of these people. And this is why one you know one of the great scholars Ibn Abad he was known all the scholars when they wrote about him after he passed away and they always say he was beloved to children, like he was the imam and he was a great scholar he wrote many works great Maliki scholar, but they always mention he was um, beloved to children. Children loved to be in his presence, mm. and so they would swarm around him. The reason for that was his 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 being was so beautiful that it was the prophetic being, but it was hidden. You know, the thing is about Ibn Abad, Arundi, he was from um, Morocco. He commented on the Ibn, Ibn Taz Hikam. He was the imam in Qayrawin for decades. He took the salary, he was the imam, he dressed very regally and, and, and ex- in very expensive clothing. When he passed away, he'd, in his will he'd written that, please 
you know, dig under the, 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 the bed that I sleep in. When they dug, they found gold. And the gold was with, with a, a letter saying, this is the salary that I had. And people used to, you know, they used to, um, they used to backbite him, slander him for, for being affluent. So he would wear good clothes. But also because he used to take a salary for being the imam. When he passed away, he put a, he put um, a note in the in in this basically a treasure trove of decades of 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 savings that he'd done from earnings as the imam. He said, "This is for the upkeep of the mosque." He didn't do it while he was alive. He waited till he passed away. So that the 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 chattering class that we call call them. You know, the chattering classes, the people, and nowadays it's the people on Facebook or Twitter, they have nothing except to chatter, chatter. And in Victorian England, that was the kind of people that would just have nothing better to do with their free time except for speak about other people. The Quran talks about them as eating the, the flesh of their, of their dead brother. Mm. And so, he didn't care about the people when he was alive, he waited till he was passed away and they could have their just desserts while he was not there to listen to it. He didn't need, to, he didn't need the apology of them to say, okay, we understand you're, you are who you are in the eyes of Allah. Who cares? <laughs> you know, he's with Allah now. That's the, the, that's the issue. So, the idea of perspective is extremely important because the Prophet used to be so in the moment and so with people and so latif. Mm. That idea of knowing that a person who's coming to you may have gone through extreme trauma and Therefore, they need to be dealt with in a very special way. That was the, a very special call to the Prophet ﷺ in his seerah and his shama'il. That he always managed to take the person that was angry and, and flip them. So mm. many stories of the Prophet ﷺ just doing that. Um, one of the, one of the, the, the mushrikun, they were going around the Kaaba when, when the Prophet had conquered Mecca. And he was following the Prophet Wasallam. And he had a dagger and he was trying to, he wanted to assassinate the Prophet. And the Prophet all of a sudden turned from his thought and turned to him and says, What do you want? What are you doing? And the person said, I'm remembering Allah, I'm doing dhikr. Mm. And, and then the Prophet placed his hand on his heart and he prayed for him. And the person who was doing this said, Before that, there was nobody more hated towards me, or to me in, the, in this life. And when he lifted his hand, there was nobody more beloved to me than the Prophet. Now that was. He, the Prophet knew this person had seen his city being conquered, his world being turned upside down. Even if he's on the wrong path, even though he's a mushrik, mm. everything is turned upside down. His realities of what he thought, you know, like in the coronavirus era, everything we thought was reality is now upside down. The Prophet understood that from that person. He knew that if he was to respond with what the person was doing, it would lead to no benefit. Idfa'abilati ahsan. The Quran says, respond with what is ahsan. In other words, has husn, has beauty, has perfection, has God consciousness in it. And for that, the Prophet understood that was to show him extreme compassion, extreme understanding. And that is the thing that they're being told to do. Waliyatullah is to go and to have this sense of gentleness, subtlety, subtlety, and not making yourself this kind of massive event that's coming up, that we are the people of the Kahf, that we're this it's, amazing event. It's, it's, a, it's, a deci- it's a decision mm. to take. Mm. And it depends. Sometimes you have to show your shawkat. 
Absolutely. I mean, Shaukat is obviously your power and your strength. Yeah. Um, in fact, the Prophet did. Why, why did he, Sallallahu order each, you know, when he conquered Mecca al Muqarramah, he ordered each person to light a fire. Your fires were lit for groups. Hmm. And in the past, they would know what the ar- approaching army was based upon fire, numbers of animals slaughtered for food. They could approximate. Hmm. So a fire would indicate, say, 10 people. The Prophet ordered everybody to do that. So the number that was approaching Mecca was f- appeared to be far more than it w- what it was. Hmm. Hmm. And so the shawkat was there to produce an effect. An effect. Effect was what? The effect was stop bloodshed. That's the important thing. The shawkat, the, yep. the show of strength, you know, what we call shock and awe, or yep. other people would call it shock and awe, was there to make sure you didn't need to shock. Yeah. So the number of people killed... And the conquest of, of Mecca al Muqarramah is on, on your, you can count them on your hands. True. Like a, a conquering a city, that doesn't exist in history. I mean, especially in history where there's no treaty being signed when the army comes in. You know, like you have, yeah, an uh, army most, comes in and it sends... Most famous warriors w- yes. w- would boast on this, that yes. the wars are won without bloodshed. Uh-huh. Yeah. If, if the war is won without a single casualty, mm-hmm. that's a war worth fighting. Yeah. That's a battle, yeah, yeah. That's a battle that didn't, didn't take place, yeah. So this is a situation where you ha- you you are conquering a city, and conquering a city, if you haven't had prior treaties of what the conditions are of 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 of, um, of coming in, will lead to blood bloodshed. So this mm. is strange because the people who are of the city put up no resistance, and the Prophet sits, and then he he starts the condition discussion in the city itself. Mm. So this all lutf. You know, lutf is such an important... This is why, you know, the seerah is all about the Prophet's lutf all through his life, even at the moments of, of of the strongest sense of victory and power and domination and, and domineering of the Muslims over the, the Quraysh. There was this amazing, you know, kind of sweetness, lightness, this amazing softness that was there that allowed the conversations between individuals to continue to take place. Because what we have now is a warfare where you have one party and another party, one country and another country. There is no sense of communication. There's no sense of shared values. There's no sense of the common humanity of people. That, based on that understanding, will lead to you know, a lack of war, a lack of bloodshed, and increase you know, of peace. This is why... You know that you're asking about lutf. That's such an important concept that you know our religious nature should be informed by it, even if our animal nature wants us to lash out. You know, I remember there was a couple of years ago. I think it was Gordon Brown was the prime minister. He came to he came to Glasgow, and people were boasting that they threw eggs on him, and they're boasting that they threw flour, and they're boasting that they were. You know, I was thinking, yeah, boast if you're if you're some kind of if that's your pathway, but please don't boast as a Muslim that you do that. Even and the even point is important because yeah. everybody was. I remember social media, even people that I know quite well, you know, laughing and this is an unbefitting of a Muslim yeah. to demean themselves with actions the Prophet would never condone. So and you can't justify it by saying, "Oh, but you don't know what the people did." The Prophet went through much, much worse than you're going through. I'm sorry if you think that your existence is more, um, more, you know, kind of on edge 
and under more danger than the Prophet ﷺ, you are deluded as an individual, and you deserve not to. You deserve not to listen to anything that's being said to you because you're living in your own delusion. If your if your master is not the Prophet ﷺ, if the teacher is not the Prophet ﷺ, is the if the person that informs your your being and your academic output and your activism and your religious life is not the Prophet ﷺ, then you ha- you deserve to not be part of this religion. There's a simple contract is La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. You know, the door is open and that is the contract. The contract is simple and that is the first pillar of Islam. That's the stuff we teach our seven-year-old children. And when we teach our children that, we also say what Muhammad Rasulullah means. You're under obligation to follow the way that he would have done. You're under the obligation to do what he would have done and think how he would have thought and act how he would have acted. And if you start to move this, put this perspective in your life, you start to realize you need to backtrack a lot in how you deal with everybody. Your enemies as well as your friends, your family as well as your foes. So, I mean, you know, so at some points you, you have to take stock of our, and protect our own religious tradition. You know, my, my points are not to people that are social activists or, are, you know, have a pathway towards changing things. They can take con- complete control and ownership. Hmm. Take it as that specific worldview. Yeah, you don't have to be in a fighting mood all the time. Mm. There is there needs to be subtlety. I would just I would just in- encourage and um, you know almost invite people to think of the prophetic character. And what will happen there is a guarantee the person who is doing this and is thinking I'm doing they will have a predetermined outcome already like they will see the the the, the mass the vast the vast uh, enormous nature of the process and will for them be a small section of a couple of events mm. they will not take the the whole experience of the process and the whole being of the process and they will be selective and therefore that's why i'm saying you know turn the prophet is told in the quran turn your back away back from the person that takes their own nafs as their ilah as their god that they worship. Mm. That can mean even you're a Muslim by name. If you predetermine what you want to hear, then you have taken your your own nafs as being um, the thing that you always seek after, and that's what we're warned of. Mm. You know, we always have to. Even myself, I think if I've th- thought something or done something, I always think check it again. You know, recheck it. You could be just wor- working on your own desire, hmm. meaning your own preconceived understanding of what you should do based upon your environment, your upbringing, your location, your privilege, all these things. So then when you recheck it, you think, okay, I need to readdress myself. So important. Uh, reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, uh, Surah Kahf, uh, along with uh, our master's life, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The, the relevance of it and and how it is relevant for us as well. So, Sheikh, this story which within Kahaf, the the people of Cave. Um, inshallah, we're going to conclude it tonight. A uh, few minutes left before iftar. Iftar is at nine o five. Time just now is eight forty seven. So these people, they go to sleep miraculously. They wake up miraculously. 
with a miracle. The, the sleeping is also a miracle. The waking up is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And their guidance of how to conduct themselves while now they're up after 200 odd years, roughly. Mm-hmm. They're now up and they're now ready to go back into the township. Um, and there, they are taught through karama, through ilham, how to be subtle. Mm-hmm. And one of them, who's a leader, he is given more of an insight how to conduct himself. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has the same insight. He mm-hmm. he then goes, and then he even him, he is flabbergasted. He's like he, he doesn't he finds himself in a place where mm-hmm. the 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 dressing habits have changed, the currency has changed, people, and then people come and do the ziyara, basically almost. They all flock mm-hmm. around, and they have the stories. Uh, and in those stories, they are told that there, there were such people, and mm-hmm. they then recognize those people. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to the cave, mm-hmm. and they sleep forever. Mm-hmm. And that's them then finished. Mm-hmm. And then the debate starts how to treat their dead bodies. Now they're dead. Mm-hmm. There are people saying, let's build um, uh, a dargah, mm-hmm. as they say in Urdu. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or a, a seminary, is it? Uh, make, make a maqbara out of it. Yeah, to make a, 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 mo- a cemetery mo- or Muslim. Um, Muslim, yeah, Muslim or. Um, so, Muslim would be one. To build a building would be to create a mausoleum. And then uh, the, the suggestion of other people was that they build, that they take as a place of prostration, masjidah. Yeah. So, masjid would be a place where you, as I said, you establish a place where you worship Allah because it was a place where a miraculous event took place. Mm. So this was something as mentioned in the Quran as well that you know the time or the place where something miraculous happens is somewhere something you seek out for your own benefit. Mm. So the Quran um you know the examples of that are many and so you know the story of Zakaria alayhi salatu wasalam and he was obviously had gone into old age without a child. Mm. And he's praying in the Quranic narrative. He's praying and praying with his wife for, for a child. He's beyond the age where he can father, and his and his wife is beyond the age where she can bear. But he continues to hope. But at the po- at which point does he receive the glad tidings? The the point he receives glad t- tidings is the moment he he himself realizes that Maryam, who's in his care, is. Blessed in the eyes of Allah That she is secluded for the worship of God And he comes to her To see how she is And he finds with her Rizqa It's just like basically provisions And the scholars talk about Fruits out of season You know Fruits that you would not expect in season In Palestine at that point Come into this closed place that she is She says this is from the blessings of Allah God gives whatever he, you know, we know this, Allah gives whatever he wants without any, um, you know, kind of judge, judgment or any calculation. He just gives it. So Allah says, رَبَّ. At that moment, Hunalika in Arabic means, Hunalik is there or then. So in Arabic, this, this word is such a beautiful word, which is something you learn in Arabic when you start to learn Arabic, then or there. 
in the, in the Quran it uses Hunalika da'a Rabba. When Zakaria realized that she was blessed in the eyes of God, that a miracle was taking place to her, and she was one that would be chosen as the, as the, as the mother of the Prophet Isa, he prayed to Allah at that place in that time, because it was special. Hmm. Like the place was special because she was there. Hmm. The time was special because God had shown a miracle. Hmm. And so that's the place he made. He's the place he chose to make the dua that then meant that he was granted and, and blessed and honored and given the glad tidings of a son called Yahya, John the Baptist. How did that happen? Look at the events. The events are God has chosen Maryam as the mother of the Prophet Isa, the final um, prophet of the, of the Bani Israel. She is given miracles. The person taking care of her, Zakaria, the Prophet Zakaria is, is, is yearning for a child, cannot get it. At what point does he get it? He gets it from the blessing of the child that he's looking after. Realizing she's been given a miraculous event, he takes the opportunity to make the dua there and then. And so, you know, this is something that, you know, any place where there is religious significance, where people have been pious and they've they've lived pious lives, there's nothing wrong with going to that place and making dua at that place. Mm -hmm. So if you think of uh, Hassan al-Basri wrote an, a, um, a letter to the people of Mecca and he says, he said to them, there's, 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 I think he mentioned a number over, I think 20 places in Mecca where your du'as are accepted. He says, there, there are these places in Mecca where your du'as are accepted and I find that you're oblivious of these places. All the places were places where a prophet did something significant or important related to the life of a prophet. And so, you know, it's something to think about that our du'as, you know, elevate themselves and travel and are given wings based upon the connection and power that we give to them. Hmm. This is why Ibn Atahi says that, you know, you know, du'as have, they have wings and they have direction and they have um, something that propels them in a time and a place. He says the thing that propels them is the prayer in the Prophet like you have to join it onto the prayer and the Prophet for it to be launched. And this is why Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu in a hadith which is Hassan Sahih, he says that Sallu ala Nabiyikum, pray upon your Prophet. Because indeed the dua remains suspended between the heavens and the earth. As for the moment for the amount of time you do not pray in the Prophet. Like as almost if you'd make a dua, but it's like it's not moving. Your dua is made. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanam wa fi al-akhirati hasanam wa qina adhab al-nar. All the duas you can think of in the Quran and the Sunnah, you make them and they're they're just, you know, like they're hovering here. Meaning, you know, spatially, but meaning they're not going to the presence of Allah. How do they get to the presence of Allah except by connecting it to the the power force which will propel them to that, which is basically giving thanks to the Prophet Sallallahu for conveying the message. This is why Imam al-Shafi, rahimahullah, you know, and we, we know this because Mutawatir, his book, um, the Risala, famous book on juristic methodology. In the introduction, he writes that there's no um, benefit, whether temporal or otherworldly, hidden or hidden or apparent, except that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the master of its descent and the reason for its coming. 
And this is why he showed such gratitude to the Prophet at the beginning of that book. To give thanks to him because he was the one that brought us the message. And so our du'as, everything is such an important, you know, such an important aspect of it. Because you were asking why they, what they're discussing what to build. The masjid is essentially there to remind you that this is a place where God's blessings came. And so what do you do? You do shukr. You worship. You show devotion. And you reconnect your, um, you know, that kind of slight connection you have with God, you reconnect it. Because you're overwhelmed with the fact, you know, like if you go to a religious place, you feel closer to God and therefore you would like a place to pray at that place. And so making a mosque would be the obvious thing because, you know, people would say, you know, I've heard this from people, you know, it's a grave. So why, how can you build a mosque on a grave? This is not what they're doing. This is a place where a miracle took place and the Quran doesn't con- condemn in fact, it seems to condone, which means to recommend and praise the fact that they took it as a place of worship. You know, the environment where, where it took place. Mm. And that's how, you know, that's how religious communities grow and that's how they build mosques and that's how they have there significance. Is, there is a whole tension around this concept as well, you know. Mm. What can be built, what should be built. And mm-hmm. even this ayah uh, has been used mm-hmm. for both mm-hmm. Uh, arg- both sides of the yeah, argument. So that's, that's irrelevant to the story. The story yeah. has to remain as it is. There's, there's no proof in this for or against. So yeah. before you pull it to say, yeah. this is a proof that you cannot build upon a grave, and this is a proof that you can build upon a grave, this is irrelevant because... To the story. Yes, because uh, uh, this comes back to the, the issue of heuristic uh, methodology, which is, شَرْعُ مَنْ قَبْلَنَا لَيْسَ شَرْعًا لَنَا it's like almost by consensus, apart from the Shafi'i school, previous religious laws from previous religious peoples are not religious laws for us. Khalas, simple. So khalas. Done. <laughs> and so you come back to the prophetic teaching, which is not to build upon the grave. And scholars, when they talk about that, they say to, um, to, to make it into a place which is taken, taken as a place of worship and taken as an... Uh, reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, uh, Surah Kahf, uh, along with uh, our master's life, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the relevance of it, and and how it is relevant for us as well. So, Sheikh, this story, which within Kahf, the the people of Cave, um, inshallah, we're going to conclude it tonight. A uh, few minutes left before iftar. Iftar is at nine o five. Time just now is eight forty seven. So these people, they go to sleep miraculously, they wake up miraculously with a miracle. The, the sleeping is also a miracle, the waking up is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And their guidance of how to conduct themselves while now they're up after 200 odd years, roughly. Mm-hmm. They're now up and they're now ready to go back into the township. Um, and there, they're taught through karama, through ilham, how to be subtle. Mm-hmm. And one of them, who is a leader, he is given more of an insight how to conduct himself. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has the same insight. He, mm-hmm. he then goes, and then he, even him, he is flabbergasted. He's like, he, he, doesn't, he finds himself in a place where mm-hmm. the, the, the dressing habits have changed, the currency has changed, people... And then people come and do the ziyara, basically, almost. They all flock mm-hmm. around, and they have the stories... Mm. Uh, and in those stories, 
they are told that there there were such people, and mm-hmm. they then recognize those people, mm-hmm. and then they go back to the cave, mm-hmm. and they sleep forever, mm-hmm. and that's them then finished, mm-hmm. and then the debate starts how to treat their dead bodies. Now they're dead. Mm-hmm. There are people saying, let's build um, uh, a darga, mm-hmm. as they say in Urdu. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or a, a seminary, is it? Uh, make, make a maqbara out of it. Yeah, to make a, 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 mo- a cemetery mo- or um, Muslim. Muslim, yeah, Muslim or. Um, so, Muslim would be one. To build a building would be to create a mausoleum. And then uh, the, the suggestion of other people was that they build, that they take as a place of prostration, masjidah. Yeah. So, masjid would be a place where you, as I said, you establish a place where you worship Allah because it was a place where a miraculous event took place. Mm. So this was something as mentioned in the Quran as well that you know the time or the place where something miraculous happens is somewhere something you seek out for your own benefit. Mm. So the Quran um you know the examples of that are many so you know the story of Zakaria Ali Salatu Wasalam and he was obviously had gone into old age without a child. Mm. And he's praying in the Quranic narrative. He's praying and praying with his wife for, for a child. He's beyond the age where he can father, and his and his wife is beyond the age where she can bear. But he continues to hope. But at the po- at which point does he receive the glad tidings? The the point he receives glad t- tidings is the moment he he himself realizes that Maryam, who's in his care, is. Blessed in the eyes of Allah That she is secluded for the worship of God And he comes to her To see how she is And he finds with her Rizqa It's just like basically provisions And the scholars talk about Fruits out of season You know Fruits that you would not expect in season in Palestine At that point Come into this closed place that she is She says this is from the blessings of Allah God gives whatever he, you know, we know this, Allah gives whatever he wants without any, um, you know, kind of judge, judgment or any calculation. He just gives it. So Allah says, At that moment, Hunalika in Arabic means, Hunalik is there or then. So in Arabic, this, this word is such a beautiful word, which is something you learn in Arabic when you start to learn Arabic, then or there. In the, in the Quran, it uses, When Zakaria realized that she was blessed in the eyes of God, that a miracle was taking place to her, and she was one that would be chosen as the, as the, as the mother of the Prophet Isa, he prayed to Allah at that place in that time, because it's special. Hmm. Like the place was special because she was there. Hmm. The time was special because God had shown a miracle. Mm. And so that's the place he made. He's the place he chose to make the dua that then meant that he was granted and, and blessed and honored and given the glad tidings of a son called Yahya, John the Baptist. How did that happen? Look at the events. The events are God has chosen Maryam as the mother of the Prophet Isa, the final um, prophet of the, of the Bani Israel. She is given miracles. The person taking care of her, Zakaria, the Prophet Zakaria is, is, is yearning for a child, cannot get it. At what point does he get it? He gets it from the blessing of the child that he's looking after. 
And realizing she's been given a miraculous event, he takes the opportunity to make the dua there and then. And so, you know, there's something that, you know, any place where there is religious significance, where people have been pious and they've they've lived pious lives, there's nothing wrong with going to that place and making dua at that place. Mm-hmm. So if you think of uh, Hassan al-Basri wrote an, a, um, a letter to the people of Mecca and he says, he said to them, there's, 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 I think he mentioned a number over, I think 20 places in Mecca where your du'as are accepted. He says, there, there are these places in Mecca where your du'as are accepted and I find that you're oblivious of these places. All the places were places where a prophet did something significant or important related to the life of a prophet. And so, you know, it's something to think about that our du'as, you know, elevate themselves and travel and are given wings based upon the connection and power that we give to them. Hmm. This is why Ibn Atahi says that, you know, you know, du'as have, they have wings and they have direction and they have um, something that propels them in a time and a place. He says the thing that propels them is the prayer in the Prophet like you have to join it onto the prayer in the Prophet for it to be launched. And this is why Sayyidina Umar radiallahu in a hadith which is Hassan Sahih, he says that Sallu ala Nabiyikum pray upon your Prophet. Because indeed the dua remains suspended between the heavens and the earth as for the moment for the amount of time you do not pray in the Prophet. Because like almost if you'd make a dua but it's like it's not moving. Your dua is made. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. All the duas you can think of in the Quran and the Sunnah, you make them and they're they're just, you know, like they're hovering here. Meaning, you know, spatially, but meaning they're not going to the presence of Allah. How do they get to the presence of Allah except by connecting it to the the power force which will propel them to that, which is basically giving thanks to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi for conveying the message. This is why Imam al-Shafi, rahimahullah, you know, and we, we know this because it's Mutawatir, his book, um, the Risala, famous book on juristic methodology. In the introduction, he writes that there's no um, benefit, whether temporal or otherworldly, hidden or hidden or apparent, except that Muhammad wasallam was the master of its descent and the reason for its coming. And this is why he showed such gratitude to the Prophet at the beginning of that book to give thanks to him because he was the one that brought us the message. And so our du'as, everything is such an important, you know, such an important aspect of it because you were asking why they, what they're discussing, what to build. The masjid is essentially there to remind you that this is a place where God's blessings came. And so what you do, you do shukr. You worship. You show devotion. And you reconnect your... Um, you know, that kind of slight connection you have with God, you reconnect it. Because you're overwhelmed with the fact, you know, like if you go to a religious place, you feel closer to God, and therefore you would like a place to pray at that place. And so, making a mosque would be the obvious thing, because, you know, people would say, you know, I've heard this from people, you know, it's a grave, so why? how can you build a mosque on a grave? This is not what they're doing. This is a place where a miracle took place, and the Qur'an doesn't con- condemn 
in fact, it seems to condone, which means to recommend and praise the fact that they took it as a place of worship. You know, the environment where where it took place, mm. and that's how you know that's how religious communities grow, and that's how they build mosques, and that's how they have significance. There is a whole tension around this concept as well. You know, mm. what can be built, what should be built, and mm-hmm. even this ayah uh, has been used mm-hmm. for both. Mm-hmm. Uh, arg- both sides of the yeah, argument. so that's that's irrelevant to the story. The story yeah. has to remain as it is. There's, there's no proof in this for or against. So yeah. before you pull it to say, yeah. this is a proof that you cannot build upon a grave, and this is a proof that you can build upon a grave. This is irrelevant because to the story. Yes, because uh, this comes back to the issue of idristic methodology, which is sharuman qablana leisa sharan lana. It's like almost by consensus, apart from the Shafi'i school, previous religious laws from previous religious peoples are not religious laws for us. Khalas, simple. So khalas. Done. <laughs> and so you come back to the prophetic teaching, which is not to build upon the grave. And scholars, when they talk about that, they say to, um, to, to make it into a place which is taken, taken as a place of worship and taken as an idol. So, so the Shafi'i school states it clearly. Like previous religious religious codes, if it's there's not nothing in our religious code, they say it, it, it continues to operate. But it's that's not a precedence almost um, insignificant. It's an academic issue because there's so few things that the Prophet did not either indicate towards or or specifically state that remain. Or the scholars cannot come up with the examples from analogy or district preference or... Um, in actions of people in Nawara or local custom, etc., etc. There's not really much practical use to it. But the point is, again, that reminds me of what the Quran says. They say that there were three, and the fourth of them was a dog, and they say the five, and the fifth, sixth of them was a dog, and they say seven, the eighth of them was a, was a dog. Rajman bil ghaib. You know, when you hear religious discussions and debates and arguments, you do sometimes think, what's, what's all these details? The religion is actually quite straightforward and simple. The basic concepts are extremely deep, but also extremely simple. Like, we could talk about tawakkul, reliance on Allah, hidayah, guidance, you know, all our lives. It doesn't require, you know, this. If there's a time and place for debates. <laughs> you know, on Facebook, Twitter, all these places are not places for, for Facebook. If you want to go into these places, they're the place where you call people to Allah, the simple worship of God. The simple advice that you give people. There's not a place for backbiting. It's a place that you enjoin good and forbid evil. And that's it. There's a purpose. Hmm. But you have to know the purpose of everything. And so Allah says, you know, some of them said that let's take this place as a, as a, as a masjid. And just leave it at that because the religious traditions that we have indicate that as long as you're not worshipping something or venerating something to the point that can be understood to be worship then there's nothing wrong in visiting. There's nothing wrong in, in taking uh, you know, a lesson from a place. There's no, nothing wrong with invigorating your faith by visiting a special place. Because you go and visit the person. This is why you know, in the Muslim world, there's so many places that people visit just to honor a very great, great person that passed away. Mm. And there's nothing... If you go and visit somebody who's alive, why can you not go and visit somebody who's passed away to show... The honor that you hold the person in, because they're, mm. they're more important than our than our parents. Mm. You know, would you not? I mean, unless you're a bit crazy, you know, you would. Would you not go and visit your parents? Subhanallah. And 
you know, myself, I consider my teachers to be more honored than my parents. I know the the kind of the debt out of my parents is great, but you know, when you see the people that have expended their whole lives for the honor of the Prophet, then you, you have this deep sense that these are also my parents. And if they passed away centuries ago, that just makes it even more amazing that we still remember them, we still know their names, like Imam Abu Hassan al or Imam Abdul Qadil Jilani, or Imam Abu Hanif, or Imam Malik. It's amazing that we now at this moment yearn for them, that when you hear Imam Malik's life and his, you know, his, his um, etiquette towards the Prophet, you, 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 you Twitter. You we know. have a final few moments left. Uh, just a request from uh, Brother Zakaria, who's 16 year old. Uh, he's going for a kidney uh, serious operation tonight. Mm. Uh, if you can make a short dua, inshallah, before we go on to Aradhan. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allah protects and preserves our young brother Zakaria with his overprotective and intense inaya that Allah saves and protects and gives him health and, and happiness, inshallah. And he protects everybody's listening. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives everybody the best of what they hope for and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfills their, their good intentions and their actions and fulfills the intentions that they had in Ramadan that they're fulfilled in this Ramadan inshallah so assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa